welcome everybody to this episode of the Blind Ambition with Jack Kelly. It's Rick from Blind, and I have the honor of introducing Rod Adams, who's the talent acquisition and onboarding leader at PwC. That means he's a principal there. He leads talent acquisition, onboarding across the U.S. and Mexico. Fun fact about Rod's team actually is they hire more than 13,000 full-time professionals and interns every single year. And for those of you that don't know, uh, PwC is a network of firms in 155 countries with over 327,000 people providing assurance, advisory, and tax services. So thanks for coming on the show, Rod. That, that, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the discussion. See, Rod, the biggest, you know, biggest thing for me as persons running a search firm, I, you know, I see people moving all the time and you've been there 27 years and that's kind of an anomaly. You know, can you walk us through it? What I've seen in the past, people who stay, there's a reason for it. So maybe you could say, well, yeah. why like 27? Yeah. What, what's, what's, what's the secret sauce, you know, that yeah, keeps you there? A, it, it is a, it is a good question. So yes, it has been, a, it's been 27 years. Um, and there's a few things that I, I would highlight that have, um, you know, that have influenced my decision to stay. And, and don't get me wrong, I've looked, right? It's, it's not that I... I oh, we will edit that part out so that you don't hear it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it's not that I haven't explored, but I, I've, I've always made the decision to stay. I mean, and it, it is things that you hear a lot, like the people. I really do love the people we work, you know, I, I feel like we... Um, it's a very driven uh, culture, um, and that and the people we hire are, are driven to to be successful. So that's that's been fun to be around. The culture in general um, is great, um, and and then but the biggest thing I'd say is the the upward mobility, the opportunity to take on different challenges has been the biggest thing. So when I started uh, 27 years ago. Um, which makes me feel very old. Um, I start. I was an accounting major out of school, so I started in the audit practice. Um, and I did audit for a few years, made senior associate, and then found my way out of audit into the human capital space. Uh, and I've done a variety of different roles in the human capital space. And, and, and ultimately, like, like Rick said, I am now... Um, leading talent acquisition and onboarding for the U.S. firm and, and made partner a year and a half ago. So there was a lot of things in between, you know, moving out of audit, joining the human capital space and where I am now. So the, just the variety of different opportunities. Um, I've lived in a few different places here in, in Chicago, moved to L.A. for a while, back to Chicago. I've traveled a lot for work. So the, the challenges and opportunities absolutely is at the top of the list. Of, of why I stayed. I haven't had to um, I haven't had to leave to to find a way to reinvent myself or to do something different. So that's been a been a big piece of, of why I'm still with the firm. It's it's a smart thing with PwC because what I noticed, you know, turn back maybe a year or two ago, right? You have the great resignation, quiet quitting, acting your wage. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is because the companies don't have a path forward. Or don't even discuss it. And it yep. seems what happened in your career is that, you know, you're an ambitious person, you may partner, but at the same time, 
they offered you opportunities and you earned opportunities within the organization to grow and develop and learn new things. And Rick, we've seen this with a lot of companies, like they don't do that. You know what I mean? They really don't yeah. put the time and effort and it always, what? I always like, why? I mean, you lose people that way. Yeah. And, and, and I think you, to me, I think it's one of the trends you'll start to see more and more of is organizations figuring out how they tap into the talent that's already into their organization versus uh, watching it walk out the door or always going to the external market, you know, as they're looking for different skills, how do they, how do they reskill and upskill their, their, the people in their organizations? I think generally that's what people are looking for. So in my case, um, you know, it, I would credit really good mentors in addition to whatever level of ambition I had, it has evolved over the years, but um, I would credit really good mentors helping steer me in the right direction, have the right conversations that helped me land in different roles throughout my career. But even us as a firm, um, we just rolled out a new um, people strategy. Uh, we call it My Plus because we name everything. That's what professional services firms do. But we we call it My Plus, and so we rolled out a new strategy. And one of the big the the big tenet of it is personalization. Um, in a variety of different areas, but large, largely personalization and how do we make sure the opportunities that people get when they walk in PwC are unique to what those what those individuals want, which will vary as they, you know, as their as their career progresses. So we are more purposefully thinking about how do we make sure that people know about the different opportunities that exist in the firm. And we're 60,000 people in the US. We do a lot of different things. So it's hard to know what all of the different opportunities are out there. So we're being mindful of how we do a better job of that and then make it easy for people to raise their hand and say, I'd like to do something different. I'd like to do X, Y, and Z. Maybe I have the skills already. Maybe I need to build them, but we are, we're purposely focused in that area. And I think a lot of organizations will do more and more of that. In terms of the mentoring, you know, I, I'll write about, you know, I, I write for Forbes, I write about mentoring and things of that nature. Yeah. But then a lot of times it's difficult. How do you find a mentor? How, like, do you seek, did you personally, like, did you seek somebody out or was someone gracious enough to say, hey, I'm going to take you under my wing and help you out. So this way you don't make the same mistakes I did. I think a little bit, of, I think a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, a little bit of both. I, I think it, it's definitely a two-way street, right? Um, I've had some of my most effective mentors that have have been people that, for whatever reason, saw something in me and decided they wanted to be, they wanted to help. Um, but I honestly don't think it would have taken if I wasn't open to, you know, building that relationship, right? Being, you know, building building a level of trust, building a level of familiarity where we could actually get to know each other and then build that trusting relationship. And so it's gotta be a two-way street um, there's been some situations where I've, you know, I've, I've seeked and basically said, Hey, I need you. I would like you to be a mentor of mine, but a lot of it has been a lot more natural than that, where working with someone or, you know, whatever it may be, a relationship 
has been built, which has been the start. That was the foundation that then turned into, you know, a mentor, an advocate, um, uh, a sponsor, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of different words that mean slightly different things yeah. uh, when you think about advocates, mentors, and sponsors, but have turned into those type of relationships. It all started with having that, um, building that trust, that foundational trust at the beginning. Um, so that they, they could, you know, they they could advocate or or help me as I look to make different decisions. I mean, when you're talking to these mentors, advisors, whatever you want to call it, how personal, how like heartfelt is that conversation? Like, are are you sticking straight to work, or is it just life in general? I no, I, I think it, from my personal opinion, and that's what you guys are looking for. It's it's got to be it's got to be layers deeper than work, right? Like, I, I there's no one, there's no one that I can say that's a true mentor of mine, or that I am a mentor of, that, you know, I don't know personally, or they don't know me personally. It's, I they, I think that's a critical personal opinion. I think that's a critical piece of it, is that you've got to. You've got to break down the walls, let them get to know know you, know what's important to you, what drives you outside of work, um, you know what your you know your your motivators are, um, and and you know some of those some of those hard stories as well, right? So it is it has got to be layers deeper than a working relationship, in my mind, for it to have the true impact that's possible. Um, for a mentor relationship. Tracking your career arc, it, it's been very forward thinking in a sense, right? Where it, it's very focused on like, how do we build not only these like formal structures, but also informal. Um, I, I want to kind of dive a bit deeper. You know, if you work at a startup or a company that doesn't have these structures. Yeah, um, yeah. And maybe you're you don't you're junior, young and tenure. You just don't feel comfortable reaching out, kind of raising your hand, approaching someone, knocking on someone's door, so to speak. I mean, what's your, what's do you have any advice there for what yeah. someone there should do? No, it's a it's it's a great point because I have I have grown <laughs> up in this, you know, this environment of professional services that is hyper focused on the people experience and. Right. And 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 um, creating the right experiences for talent. Um, I I I personally would say it goes back to how are you making sure you're being authentic and bringing your whole self to all of the experiences that you have. Like you don't have to necessarily knock on someone's door and say, "Hey, I want you to be a mentor." But if in whatever work you're doing you're likely doing it and engaging with other people in some way, shape or form. You're getting your assignments from someone or you're, right. you're working in teams to, to deliver on a, a project, whatever it may be. Being open in those situations to let people know you, get to know you would be the biggest advice I think I'd give, especially a young person starting out in their career. Cause I do think there's, there's, I observe, you know, being in recruiting here as long as I, I have, there is a tendency sometimes to kind of put up the wall of this is the work me and I'm going to be the work me and only let my work people know so much about me. And then I have a, 
the non-work me and I have a different set of people and they know different things about me. I, I think you got to blur those lines. Um, I think it's the most natural way for someone young in their career to naturally build relationships where they will get mentors and sponsors and people that they trust that they can ask career questions to uh, is, 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 is blurring those lines and building those, those trust-based authentic relationships early. Got it. No, that, that makes a lot of sense because I, I think some people are very intimidating, right? Like I, I, Maybe it's a stereotype, but I find folks in management, consulting, accounting, advisory, um, they, they tend to have like a, a certain kind of personality where it, it, it makes a it little easy. bit more of an A personality. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you can fair. say it, right? Fair. Yep, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I, I, and, and I think because of the nature of what we do in client service, and you're always talking to clients and you're always, right. you kind of have to. And, and I get not everyone... And not everyone has that. Um, and quite honestly, not everyone in management consulting has it either. I think some uh -huh. people, I think some people have to work harder at it um, than others to get comfortable putting themselves out there with a client or with their teams. Um, and, and and again, I, like I said, like, and I, I know I've, you guys have probably experienced it too. I've had I've had the situations where, you know, you've got a bold individual that just like calls me up. I'd like you to be my mentor. Here's what you need to know about me. Like, I have never been that bold, quite honestly, personally in my career, but I, I have witnessed that. I just don't think that's the way it happens the majority of the time. I do believe that the majority of the time it's more natural because people have built a relationship where they've just gotten to know someone. Um, so they... So I, I should have said this too. A lot of it, you got to do good work as well, right? So that's that's that shouldn't have left that part out. You've got to do good work as well. So you you do good work for someone. They and then and then you also build the relationship part of it. They just they just, it naturally starts to happen. They start to talk about the work you do with other people, and then and then that starts to become your brand, right? Um, and so. Um, I, I don't think you have to be a extrovert to, to do good work and then to just let people get to know a little bit about who you are as a person outside of the work you do. No, I, I love your advice about like different entry points into, uh, finding a mentor or different programs or, or even different, like kind of specialties. I mm -hmm. mean, in that same track, you know, some people might not, you know, think that they have what it takes to make a career in management consulting, accounting, advisory work, a, a big firm like PwC, you know, they didn't study finance, or maybe they didn't go to business school, or maybe they feel like they're not good with numbers. You know, can, can you talk about the different entry points available yeah. into these types of careers? There are so many. Okay. Um, there, there, are, there are so there are so many. And I do think, you know, we were our we we sometimes still get largely known as like an accounting firm or something like that. And you've got to be good with numbers, but we hire, we hire individuals with, from all kinds of backgrounds. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're looking for people who, you know, are, have good relationship skills, 
are have a desire to learn and to be what we call like lifelong learner, which I think is a term that gets used a lot now, but uh, you know, to be lifelong learners that are looking to continue to develop their skills, whatever those might be, or new skills, um, looking for people with a certain level of, of you know, acumen ar around the business world um, or desire to learn it, um, who are inclusive um, in the way that they operate. And, and that's tied to relationships, but I do think it's, we look for it uniquely like an inclusive mindset, individuals who are who who want to bring others along, and then just a you know a whole leader. So there's a there's a lot of soft skills in what I just said. And then yes, if you're in accounting, you need to have accounting skills. Or if you're you're in um, cybersecurity, you need to have cyber skills. Or if you're in our our marketing practice, you need to have marketing skills. Or if you're in our workforce transformation, you need to have you know some HR skills. But we consult in so many different areas. Those technical skills, they, they really run again. We hire physicians. Like we hire so many different, different things in our profession because we consult across all industries and healthcare and finance and retail and you name it. So we hire a lot of different backgrounds, but those soft skills are the things that are 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 critically important. And and I and I I think it's um, kind of going on a tangent here, hopefully you don't mind, but, you know, in the environment we're in right now, where we're hearing a lot about layoffs, because those are, those are, those are flashy headlines, right? And every time I hear one, it's, it's hard to hear because they're, they're, there's the numbers that get, that get talked about, but at the end of the day, there's a person and their life behind each one of those numbers that has just been uprooted in some way, shape, or form. And I've had plenty of friends and prior colleagues that have been been caught in it in the last couple of months. But what I encourage people to think about is that their their, their skill sets, especially in that technical space, are so transferable to so many other industries that they might not be thinking about, right? Like you, you, you might have worked at one of the big tech companies and you think tech companies when you think about your skills and tech skills, but we just using PwC example, we, we hire all kinds of tech skills. Like, like I mentioned cybersecurity, data analysts, um, data scientists, um, coders, like we hire it, we hire it all because we build products um, for our clients. We build products for ourselves to make our business better. Um, and we're just one example. I think most organizations out there now hire these type of skills. So um, being open to considering new industries where you could use the same skills is something I would encourage, encourage your listeners to, to do. As a talent acquisition professional, do you see anything particularly hot that you would say, hmm, if someone is laid off and they're looking and maybe they could pivot or reinvent reinvent themselves in a different space. Anything comes to mind? It, so industry-wise, I mean, healthcare is okay. is on still on fire, right? So I talk to to peers who are, you know, it, in the healthcare industry or touching it in some way, shape, or form. So I'm not just saying hospitals or or you know insurance companies, but anything that that touches it in some way, shape, or form. Our our healthcare practice because we do a lot of healthcare consulting. Um, those areas, that industry is still really hot. Um, 
and they need individuals of all types of skill sets for for the various different things that they're they're doing. So that's an industry um, I would definitely consider. I do think skill set wise, building skills, um, you know, that are in the data um, digital space. I would say I would encourage anyone to do. So if those aren't skills that you have, I would suggest looking at the various ways. There's a lot of certificates out there, right? There's a lot of different organizations offering different certificates in project management or data analytics or um, design thinking, whatever it may be. If those aren't skills that you have, I encourage individuals out there in the marketplace to to look at getting those skills because they're they're very much in demand for a lot of different jobs and being able to articulate you know that you have skills in that space is only going to open up more doors for for your listeners i mean it, it seems like when you hear like oh gosh like these huge tech companies are laying off thousands of people they're obviously going to be looking for jobs it can be very intimidating to say like, oh, I have to compete with these guys or maybe the job market is just a lot tougher because there's a lot more people applying now. Do you have any advice in terms of how to stand out in kind of like a hot job market or competitive job market? Or, or is our job market even competitive right now? I, I mean, it's it's competitive. It, it is a year. It's definitely different than it was a year ago where- <laughs> right. I, just throwing out jobs. I mean, you guys heard the story. People were getting job offers without even interviewing, right? Right. That's not, that's not the case. So it is, it is more competitive. I do. You also, I'm sure see the numbers. There's still a lot of opportunities for skilled workers that, that exist out there um, compared to the supply um, of talent that's out there, even after, you know, the, the layoffs. I do think it's, again, thinking differently about, maybe I didn't think about that industry or I didn't think about that profession that individuals need to do. I have, I didn't know that profession would be interested in these type of skills, right? So I do think, so your question to stand out, um, this doesn't help stand out. But the first thing I would do is, is kind of evaluate the skills that you have and then do some have an open mind, do some searching on what are the places where, what are the, or the, the, the industries and the places that these skills are getting hired that may not have been on my radar. So that would be the first thing I do is open the aperture to, to where you may be searching for an opportunity. And then as far as, um, you know, standing out, um, it, it, it is, that's, that's the age old challenge, right? It yeah. is, it is, it's hard to stand out when you're a piece of paper that is going across the desk of a, a recruiter. And Jack, I know you know this well. You look as it's probably as many resumes as as I do. That is not an easy thing to do. I do think that's where you you, you leverage your network um, as much as possible. Now, on your on your resume and things like you got to do the blocking and tackling, right? You can't have errors. You've got to make sure you know you're crisply articulating the skills and experiences and impact that you've had in in your your career, whatever that may be, however long that may be. But once you get beyond the piece of paper and making sure that is a accurate um, 
error error free. And I say that because there's more errors in resumes than you would you would uh, you would appreciate. And that's one of the things that recruiters look at. It's attention to oh, detail, wow. right? And if you can't get your resume right, who knows what else you can't get right? So sounds small, but I see it more often than I, than you would imagine. So getting that right, um, error-free reflection of who you are, but then leveraging your network, right? I think most of your listeners, I'm sure, have LinkedIn, are on LinkedIn, and they have a network of people on LinkedIn. Leverage that network to help on the research side and to, to potentially um, open a door. And there's nothing wrong, in my opinion, if there's an organization that you're interested in reaching out to someone in your network that work that you're interested in an organization, you got people in your network who work at that organization, reaching out and just saying, Hey, I'm looking, um, just wanted you to know if there's anything, you know, you could do to help. That'd be great. Maybe the answer is no, but a lot of organizations have referral programs and those, those, those employees could, could potentially be rewarded for a referral they submit. So they might be motivated. To help you never know unless you ask so i would encourage you to leverage that network talk, talk about aligned incentives there right exactly yeah. there are there are absolutely aligned incentives um yeah our, ours is actually a rel relatively re lucrative um, employee referral program so it does people very well you know and this is not a fair question to ask but like and put aside pwc just generally it, it must be hard for talent acquisition executives to figure out what to do because like we, we you mentioned earlier in, in in the show it's like everything changes so quickly so you know what i mean like what what's now three months from now might be completely yeah. different and yeah it's gotta be I mean, hard uh, to figure uh, out right a hundred percent i have i have i have um definitely um you know just come to the conclusion and that I, I can't assume I know what we are going to need to do six months from now, right? Like it's it is, almost impossible. Right? It, Rick, Rick, it's, it's almost like, impossible. I, I don't know what our demand. Will, I don't know what our demand will be. I don't know what the skill sets will be that we're looking for, and I don't know what will be the motivators for talent to want to, you know, go work anywhere, right? And so we've always got to be keeping our ear to the ground on what those what those things are, what the motivators are. And then um, what, at least in my world, and I think probably in a lot of worlds, what adds to the complexity is, you know, I am responsible for, you know, attracting, finding, you know, putting out that that value proposition that people want to want to be a part of. But then we've got to deliver that once they're here, right? So the the actual culture and the experience what they what once they get here there's got to be a collaboration between the talent acquisition organization and then the broader people organization to say okay here's what here's what they're looking for they're looking for personalization they're looking for well-being they're looking for development and they're working with the people team the broader people team how do we build that in our culture so that we can actually deliver on that um because it's one thing to know what they want it's another thing to actually obviously deliver on it so there is a relationship that has to exist there that um, works together. You know, you mentioned mental health. I put put aside PwC again because I, you know, generally, do you see among other companies putting a big effort to help people out? Because 
people are like, come on, we all know everyone's stressed out of their minds. It's crazy. Like I, in my whole life, I've never seen, like you go on Twitter or TikTok, just, just like violence and anger. Everyone's, it's, it's just so toxic. It is. Are, do you guys do things for it to help people just kind of chill out and calm down and relax and feel like yeah. give me some psychology, yeah. psychological safety? Psychological safety. That is a fantastic word and one that we have been using uh, or combination of words and term we've been using a lot lately. Yes, 100%. So it is a, when I think about our, our people strategy at PwC under this umbrella of my plus that I talked about, priorities are you know, diversity and inclusion. How do people feel like they belong when they are, how do not feel like, how do we make sure they belong when they're part of our organization development? How are people, re, you know, upskilling themselves, continuing to develop when they get here? And then um, I would, I say well-being. And there's a number of things that fit into there, whether it's flexibility, you know, work for home is a big topic. I, I put that under the well-being because I do think for individuals, where they work influences their well-being, and that's different from one person to another. Some people, you know, they want to be at home, you know, and, and work from home the entire time. Some want to be in an office, whatever it may be, but it influences their well-being. So we put a lot of energy into that from a from a lot of different angles, from the how and where you work and how and how much you work. Um, so we we shut down the firm twice a year for a week, as an example. And to us, that's a chance for everyone to have a, a mental break. Now, everyone has vacation. They can use vacation whenever they want. But we all know you go on vacation. Everybody else is working. Your email box is just filling up. And you know it's filling up. And then the day before you come back, you start to stress about it. The great thing about our, our shutdowns is everybody's off. And, and, it, and it truly is miraculous it's one between it we shut down between christmas and new year's and then we shut down the week of the fourth of july and you, 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 there's no there's no traffic you don't come back to a a, a workload and so we that for us is a good just shut it down don't think about work give our give our people a a, a mental mental break for a little while psychological safety we talk a lot about and that is in the context of we work in engagement teams. So we do a lot of training of our engagement leaders on how do you create the safety for people to be healthy, whether that's they, so they, you know, we create one of the things that we encourage people to do in, in your engagement teams, create a team calendar. So everybody knows not only what work do we have to do, but what's important for Jack, um, he wants to be at his son's game basketball game every Wednesday at six o'clock team makes that happen you know Rick wants to be able to attend yoga class every Tuesday morning um and so he, he's not going to come in until nine o'clock like so making sure there's a safety of um we care about you as an individual and what's important to you outside of PwC knowing that that's only going to make you better for us at PwC as well so we spend a lot of time on it. We have a managing director whose whose job is our our well being. She's our well being leader, and and constantly thinking about how we can do better uh, in that space. Right to tie in the mental health with you know the 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 work. 
it's interesting. I'm blind, Rick. You can you can kind of talk to this better than I do. I know about six months ago on the blind podcast, on the blind platform rather, you'd have everyone saying, "Hey, I'm only making a total compensation. I'll make up numbers of five hundred thousand. This is ridiculous. I'm getting paid peanuts, and I'm going to go from Amazon to Microsoft or to Google." And six months later, Rick, right? Like now, it's more of well, for my mental health and for my emotional yeah. well-being. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why how it's hard to kind of it's figure hard. stuff out because it just changed. Yeah. The mindset changed so yeah. dramatically in such yeah. a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is it is hard to keep up with. But I do think compensation is important, clearly. Um, and, and you know, I you, everyone wants to feel fairly paid. They want to have, some, you know, financial stability. Um, I didn't mention that as, as part of one of the reasons why I've been at PwC for 27 <laughs> years, but it is, it is. All right, so like, pays we, well, so all right, that's really the bottom line. <laughs> so we, we and, you know, compensation is nice too, but it is a, we do like to look at it as, we call it total rewards. So it's not just my base comp, but there's base comp, there's bonus, there's the benefits. We have a student loan payback program that a lot of our people get a lot of, lot from. We get the I aim. I, I honestly, just because of what what's important to me at you know in the last ten years of my life, I couldn't imagine working at a place where I didn't get a week off at Christmas and a week off at Fourth of July at this point. Like I am so yeah. I'm so reliant and and enjoy that that space so much that to me that is partially it's a total reward, partially how I'm compensated, and so I do think this. Things that companies do in well-being, they should be talking about in the same way that they talk about compensation. This is what's important to people, and and knowing that they have access to certain things. And for everybody, it's a little bit different, but it is it is a part of how I I believe I'm compensated here, and I think our people believe the same thing. I I want to ask this because very rarely do I, I I get to you know speak to like someone at such a high level involved in like HR recruiting. You know you've probably perfected your pitch for PwC. So can we hear it? Like why is PwC <laughs> a better place to work compared to other firms? Okay, okay. I'm gonna put um, you on the spot here. <laughs> you're gonna put me on the spot here. So I I, I make sure I get my words right. And there's, there's a few key things that I, I want to commu communicate. And, that, and yes, yeah, that I do get asked that question, obviously, in various <laughs> ways at different times. So and, and for me, PwC, you know, we're a purpose-led, value-driven organization. To me, that's, that's hugely important. Um, as a community, our people, we, we, we think of our, our people as, as, um, as uh, solvers. So we call it a community of solvers. Uh, we're dedicated to building a culture of care and belonging. So when I when I think about that and then the fact that we're so focused on um, uh, being human-led but tech-enabled and, and the development of our people, end of the day, focused on our purpose, focused on our values, um, focused on taking care of our people, being digitally innovative and out front we end up creating better value for our clients, which helps us win more and better experiences for our people. Um, that's why, you know, I believe PwC is the place to be. And, and, and the total rewards, I'll help you out, aren't, aren't too bad either. And the total <laughs> rewards aren't too bad either. 
the total <laughs> rewards are too bad either. Thank you. For I got to remember to get that in there. Yeah. Yes. No, well, I, it's I, also I, the case, right? If you know, for some of the magic, you know, uh, uh, management consultants, it's almost kind of like an entrepreneurial position, right? You where you're going out there and you're offering advice, so you could really make a lot of money and make a big impact together, right? Oh, hundred oh, percent. It is. It is absolutely an entrepreneur environment. Um, I mean, we're not we're we're not a publicly traded company. It's a partnership, right? And so it is a a group of partners who are entrepreneurs to grow and develop this this business. And there is a lot of opportunity for individuals who aren't partner to to work through 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 like an entrepreneurial mindset to go out and you know find opportunities to to, to bring our services to to people. And we've got tons of examples, you know, every day, every week of individuals at levels as far down as associate who have found work opportunities for the firm because of someone they know or someone they met or whatever it may be. So it is absolutely an entrepreneurial environment um, from a perspective of growth um, and, and our, the, the development of our business. Gosh, that's brilliant because I, I think for a lot of our audience, like the blind community, a lot of them are, you know, work in tech roles. They identify as like, oh, I'm a tech guy or I'm a startup. You know, mm -hmm. I, I just, that's, that's my place. That's my sweet spot. And did, there's just kind of that like misconception about other firms or professional service or other industries. I mean, are, are there kind of other common misconceptions that people have I, about your industry? I, yeah, I think there's, there's misconception of, of, of what it is in general we do. I mean, so we have a, you know, in the spirit of startup, we have a product yeah. tech part of our organization now that didn't exist six years ago oh it was not it didn't exist so we are now developing products um that some of which we use in pwc but a lot of which we sell to to clients and it and, right. it, and it's um you know largely in the space of you know risk management financial oh. type products or whatever maybe but we're hiring technical people, coders, things of that nature <laughs> to develop these products. That didn't exist six years ago. We didn't do that. And largely, I think a lot of people still don't think of us as being in tech company. A tech company, which which we we absolutely are. We have a digital and cloud practice right. that we didn't have uh six years ago that is advising, you know, the biggest names of companies out there on how to you know take their business to a more digital place to to place where they're leveraging the cloud so it is a lot of a lot of the businesses once you get inside our firm and you say okay beyond that highest level of we do we're consultants and we provide um you know tax work and audit work to our clients you go below that highest level a lot of what we do underneath there changes as much as quickly as the as the environment changes esg we weren't we weren't doing you know esg audits um in our audit group uh, a number of years ago and now that's a a, a growing place where we're, we're leading the way it, it is very much entrepreneurial and we're always thinking about what do our clients need 
and what can we do differently to deliver it to help them continue to grow and 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 um and and do better so yeah it's a lot lot there oh marvelous no i i, I always love I, I think i speak on behalf of kind of the the blind community of eight million professionals that they just love that sneak peek right that's that's yeah. part of like the reason why you go on blind and I love that you're able to say like, oh, we're actually a tech company. We started this six, 12 months ago. Surprise. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Surprise. And and we 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 continue to want to be more of a tech company. So yeah, really? we need we need more of that talent in the door to help us get there. Oh man. I I really appreciate that. I thanks for coming on the show, Rod. I, I certainly pleasure. learned a lot. This was fun. It was great. Thanks, Rod. Great talking to you guys. You, you guys have a great show here. So keep doing it. Excellent. Thank you so much. That's it for The Blind Ambition. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.